Ignacio. Tiro de Cristiano. A week ago. From the corner. And he's buried again and again. Sergio Ramos. Stadio. It's been an incredibly long time, and I feel like I say this way too often, but I will say again, we apologize. All of us are just super busy with school hammering it out, loads of midterms and assignments and projects and all that fun stuff that we have to do. But, of course, we're back. Last time we spoke, uh, it was actually the Sevilla match, just before the Sevilla match, which all of us got wrong in our predictions, which was pretty upsetting, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) Moving on to, I was going to say brighter things, but it hasn't really been that bright. But anyways, before we get into everything, I'll let these fine gentlemen introduce themselves Eddie, you guys can go ahead. Uh, hello, I'm Christopher. My Twitter handle is at K underscore MC06. Follow me for Lucas Vasquez propaganda and the recently endorsed Jose Callahan propaganda. Ooh. Oh, wow. Jose Callahan. That's a. <laughs> oh, interesting. Hassan. We're back, Hassan bitches. We're back. At the Hassan, <laughs> if you want to follow me on Twitter, please do. And finally, Anthony Shopa AJ. What's going on? I'm Anthony. Uh, I'm the large pineapple on Twitter. You can find me at Shopa AJ, S H O P A A J. But yeah, back to back to Madrid. Back to Madrid. Okay. Uh, obviously, because it's been, I believe, about a month. Really, it's been quite a few weeks uh, since we've done a podcast. We're gonna skip a lot of the game by game analysis because it. Not really a lot of great things to analyze as it is. And we're going to jump into the one thing that has come from all this poor form. And that is the possibility of Julian Lopetegui being sacked by Florentino Perez and Real Madrid and there being a replacement. So let's break this up into two parts. First, we shall tackle whether Julian should be sacked. And then in the hypothetical alternate universe in which he is, who would we replace him with? But first, should he be sacked, boys? What do you think? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's stupid. If you compare it to when Benitez was in charge, he got all the way up until was it around January, I think. Yeah, um, January. Yeah. January 6th, I believe. And he was way, way, way worse. I mean, Lopetegui didn't get smashed by Atletico like Benitez did. Um, the team's playing... It's somewhat better than what they were under Benitez. It's just that the science is obviously are that it's an absolute pre- premature decision. I think it's stupid. Do you think they were discussing this at this point? Uh, yeah, I I agree with most of that. Um, I I put it up on Twitter last night. We're three points worse off under Lopetegui after nine games than we were under Zidane after nine games. Let's see out a season. Uh. I think Lopetegui's been extremely unlucky this month, and it's just, it's, it's October. <laughs> we can't be talking about sacking a manager in October. Yeah, I agree. So, really, it's not as. Sorry, Anthony. Sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. I was pretty much just going to say how I agree with them, and honestly, it's kind of nice. I saw a couple of articles this past week about how they're wondering what the problem even is in Madrid. Is it 
injuries? Is it Lopetegui's system? Or is it really just, like, this bad luck? Because, as we can tell, we lost Ronaldo, the best player on the planet, and we have Mariano as the only attacker that came in to really fill in for the 50 goals or whatever, some odd goals that Ronaldo has every year. So, Lopetegui had a tall order, and to for everything that's going wrong, I feel like is going wrong against Lopetegui, so you can't really count him out this early. But the, the Classico on Sunday should really be what defines how his Real Madrid career is going to go. We are all appreciative of our mature mindset, I guess, or at least I am, that we're not just throwing Lopetegui under the bus and saying, well, he has to be the sole person responsible for everything. Because, of course, there are other variables and factors uh, that come into play with how the season has gone so far. Now, without getting way too into every little nitty-gritty detail, if each one of you could pick one thing that Lopetegui should either change or implement, or if Lopetegui, or if you were Lopetegui, what is the one thing that you would do, whether it's from a personnel point of view, or a tactical point of view, however you see fit? Um, I definitely tell him to stop pushing the defensive line so high. That's causing us a lot of problems. Um, that's, I'd say that's probably my biggest gripe if I had to pick one. I, I think the defensive line is just—it's way too high at times. And against Levante, for example, it just got shredded and shredded and shredded. So I think that definitely needs changing. Madrid style has been, you know, playing with the wing backs, of course. Especially if you haven't seen Real Madrid play maybe ten or fifteen years ago, and you're just watching now, or you just. <laughs> into it now that's perfectly fine it's not like we know every little thing about the club christopher probably does because he's like a football historian but that's just the way real madrid's been at least for the last five years or so and more definitely but just focusing on this little window that we're all a huge part of um that's always been a thing so do you think that should change completely or are you just saying to limit that because that whole idea of the Real Madrid left and right back has always been to fly forward and help support the attack. No, I think the fullbacks are fine. I think leaving the fullbacks to attack when they want, obviously in in moments where it's relevant for them to do that, that's absolutely fine. But I think Sergio Ramos galloping up the pitch for just you know the absolute banter at times it seems is just it's going to become a problem because the amount of times he's been caught out of position and left for ranted scrap brawl against about a good two or three players. It's just not it's it's not something that you can continue to do through a season, especially against you know sides who are going to be able to punish that even worse than what Levante did, for example. So severe, they absolutely rinsed us because and we were it's so more of an individual problem rather than it's kind of more of yeah, an individual problem yeah, than than a Lopetegui system. But maybe he needs to put his foot down. I know that's going to be hard against the guy that's the captain of the team, and he probably beat the shit out of you if you tried. But you know, at the end of the day, he needs to be the the manager and put his foot down and say, yeah, you know, you need to be a bit more disciplined in yourself and stop galloping up the pitches if you're the number nine because you're just not. Well, here's my argument for that. Sergio Ramos is our third leading goal scorer right now for the club. Yeah, he I mean, might be, he but he, he, what else have we got right now? Plus, there's a few He's a, But it, most of those have been penalties. Yeah, I was about and to say there most penalties in there. penalties. There is that to consider as well. So the context in there is obviously there's a few penalties and set pieces. But if you're scoring from like open play, then be like, yeah, you're not fair enough. But um, there's nothing wrong with him doing it if we're in search of a late goal. I'm not saying to don't you know stop it altogether. 
but it's becoming a very frequent thing. I don't know if you guys feel it is, but I feel it's, it's happening way too frequently for my last, last question. Okay. On, on your point about the defense flying forward too much, what, in your opinion, is there much of a difference compared to how this defense moves forward up the pitch uh, in comparison to how Zidane's Real Madrid went forward up the pitch? It depends on what point is Zidane's like, tenure you're looking at. If you look at like the first you know, season, they were fairly solid at the back all the way through. That You didn't really get caught out as such. Obviously, in this last season, that was just I don't even know what to say about that one, to be honest. There's not many words that they can describe that last season, but that's when the, the, the frailties were exposed. But in the first season, it was they were conservative when they did it. They did it at the right times. Um, whereas I just don't, I don't feel any like the They're doing it at the right time. I feel like they're just flying up because they've got no other options right now, which builds into different issues altogether. But um, I, I think it's, it, it, it does differ a little bit. Yeah. Anthony, what would you say is your one? one change that you would like to see implemented? Um, I think Lobotecki needs to do a little bit more rotation, honestly, with some of our players. Uh, the midfield, he's been rotating, I think, pretty solidly. I don't agree with all of his choices, like to move Tony Cruz back into a more Casemiro position. He is not Casemiro, as he's come out and said. So I know Tony Cruz and Lobotecki aren't really seeing eye-to-eye on the midfield rotation, but I think defensively, Ramos has played almost every single minute of every game so far. And we are really lacking defensively. So to not see Vallejo in more or uh, Regulon in more or Nacho in more is just really weird to me, especially when we have Marcelo coming back from injury and immediately being tossed right back into the starting lineup and then obviously getting hurt again in this past game. So I just think that even defensively and strike-wise, Benzema playing all those minutes, we just need to see different players in those positions getting opportunities since it hasn't been working as well, obviously, with the past five results. It would be great, of course, if there was a healthy rotation, much like we saw, I guess, maybe in that first or second season at Real Madrid, obviously. Uh, when Zidane was there, you kind of had that 18-B team feeling. But that was after a good amount of time with the club. Do you think, and any of you can answer this, do you think maybe we are even lacking a continuity? Like, on paper, yes, we know what our starting eleven is, but our starting eleven is isn't necessarily like our strongest eleven, or is it just the biggest names making that starting eleven? And does Julian Lopetegui even know like which players actually work the best together? Not from past tapes or matches that he's watched, but actually what he sees in game now in this season, you know, minus the Ronaldo and all of that other jazz. I think well, he's still oh, kind of it. figuring out who his best ones are. I mean, I know Christopher's probably going to get an erection when I say this, but like Vasquez playing so well in the last game was like, where has he been for the most of the season? That's the first time I've seen him really get a full full ninety in the last few months. So you think what is it? Not, how many games has he played the full ninety? Is it like two, three games? So it's not a lot. Is it five? I've been I've kind of keeping track of when he starts and from. What I remember, that's the second time he started this season. And the so first that's time was against shocking the, itself. The first time was against Levante. Look it up, yeah, that's, that's, I'll just come back to it. But like I think in the last uh three years he's played the most key passes or I think he's registered the most assists. I'm not sure if I've got that one right. It's one of the two. Yeah, he's, I remember seeing it yeah, somewhere. Um, he's he's second to James Rodriguez for assists since he arrived. So why on earth isn't he playing more? 
It's like we've got players like Benzema who are just literally dragging themselves across the floor and have been utterly trashed. Yeah, it, you know, you're Vasquez who's perfectly capable of creating havoc when he comes on and he, he's not getting a sniff. It's just like, what on earth? I think Lopetegui is still figuring it out and it's not, it's not fair to not, not give him the chance to figure it out. So he's started two games in the Champions League. He started one in La Liga, which was against Levante, and he's come off the bench for seven times. And he's yet to have, he's at 193 minutes for in La Liga and 148 in the Champions League. So he's really not playing a lot of minutes at all. And I kind of I pointed out there recently that uh, his role is different than how Zidane used him in the sense that I think he's more of a clog up the wings and hold on to the lead option rather than an attacking option. Which is foolish because he's so good attacking wise as well. Like he can cause a lot of problems. But he didn't he play the last game essentially as a right wing back? He did, yeah. Basically. And it was outrageous. It was pretty outrageous. I'm not trying to make a meal of this situation, but just hear me out for like thirty seconds here. <laughs> At the World Cup, right, when Julian Lopetegui is the manager of the Spanish national team, Christopher, of course you'll know this, but I'm pretty sure Lucas Vasquez was a part of that squad many times leading up to he was, yeah. as well he was. as the World Cup. Now, Lopetegui is obviously the manager of Real Madrid, and we have that other guy, I genuinely forgot his name, who is the manager of the Spanish national team, Luis Enrique. That's Luis who it Enrique, is. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were just being mean because he's a Barca guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. I genuinely was trying to think. Anyway, like I'm trying to say, now Lucas Vasquez isn't a part of the Spanish national team. I would think that Lopetegui would have an inkling more of affinity uh, for Lucas Vasquez, but clearly he hasn't because it seems like he hasn't played more than 400 minutes of football this season. So, did Vasquez have a drop in form somewhere or is stuff just kind of weird? I don't know. I'm just saying. It just seemed a little odd to me. Uh, he's part of the Spanish national team at a World Cup. Now he doesn't even make the team and now he has very few minutes at Real Madrid. Well, it is strange. It's very strange. I'm not going to pretend like he's played fabulously, but he's you know he has dropped in form, so to speak. But it's mainly because he's just not playing enough to put his stamp on a game. Yeah, match sharpness is going to be a little, a little bit sort of impacted by that, of course. I think as well. It's not even it's not even match match bleh, match sharpness. It's more he's getting he's playing like 15 minutes at the end of every game. Like there's just no. There's no room for him to make a difference in that sort of time span. He's a much better... I don't think the stats will back it up, but I've always felt that he's much better starting a game for Madrid than he has been coming off the bench. Now, I know the stats will say that he's very good off the bench as well, but I've always felt like he he needs more than 15 minutes every game to make an impact. I agree. Hopefully we see more of Lucas on, because he is like... He's a neat player to watch because I think like he may not be the most technically sound player. Well, not may not. He isn't on Real Madrid. But the one thing you know you're always going to get is a load of heart. I think, to me at least, it just means a lot when you know somebody's going to go out there and just like freaking bust his ass for 90 minutes. Yeah, he's industrious as anything. He's a workhorse, essentially. Anyway, Christopher, your point. So Hassan had his change that he would make. Anthony has his. What's yours? Um, well, <laughs> mine was set pieces. Um, I felt like 
up until the Levante game, we were very kind of meager. We we left a lot to be desired from set pieces. We've not taken full advantage of them. I'm kind of looking at the stats now and they're beginning to match up with the two seasons beforehand. But I think that's because we had so many chances in the last two games from set pieces in terms of Levante just seemed to give us give us a free run at them and so did uh, Piazen in the Champions League. But So I'd like to see that continue in that sense. That would be my thing to fix. I think the team peaked in the 16-17 season when it came to set pieces. But it, uh, yeah, I, I thought so too, but I kind of... I was looking at... Winners, oh my God. Yeah, but, yeah, last... Corner goals, oh my word, it was outrageous that season. Jesus. I was looking at last season and we scored 14 goals from corners, which is still a lot. Like, the it didn't feel like that much. Yeah, but the XG, this is the funny thing, the XG was... 10 goals, so we overperformed by four goals in from corners that's pretty, alone. That's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. I'm just going to preface this point. I swear to God, Anthony and Hassan, I don't want to hear anything about Paul Pogba. So if you no say promises. Anything, I, I swear <laughs> to God, I'm just going to like literally wipe the whole part of whatever you say out of this podcast. But I'm just going to say something. I find it a little funny how we get so much heat for this bad start to the season. But Manchester United has had so many poor starts this season after Ferguson left. And they just have poor seasons in general. But I just think, like, not only have our fans been absolutely spoiled by Real Madrid, but I think even all the pundits and journalists and analysts and whatever have just been way too spoiled by our club. That is, like... People are acting like this place is in absolute turmoil. Like, the whole house is on fire. It's yeah, ridiculous. it's not as bad as Man United, that's for sure. I mean, having, having obviously been to a couple of games there, the atmosphere is toxic. It's toxic in that stadium at times. Especially against Valencia, it was pathetic. Like, you could just feel the, the absolute sort of animosity in the air. It's horrible. I just yeah, want to... There, that's all. I was kind of... I was thinking about this yesterday I was, I've been reading a lot about like uh, the reaction from Madrid's poor run of form and I've discovered like there's just these journalists are claiming that they have a kind of an insight an into in. the club that yeah, they have I yeah they have that. an in but the issue is is that each journalist you read who claims to have an in also projects like writes a different character for Florentino Perez so one of them will be saying, you know, Florentino Perez has lost it. One of them was saying he's ruthlessly waiting to sack Lopetegui, never wanted him in the first place. And then you have the fans who have a different, completely, a completely different complexion as well. So it's, it's like, who do you I'd believe? I'd love to in? see who said that he didn't want him in the first place. Surely he would not have gone to the hassle of getting him out of the Spanish national setup if he didn't want him in the first place. I've also yeah. seen a lot of, sorry, Chris, go ahead. It it annoys me too. I just I don't understand. They the act shit like you they see know, on Twitter, man. They, yeah, the in that they feel like they have, it, it, they take a little too much from it. I think they run with it a little too much. But I can't speak because I don't have that sort of insight. So yeah, like I've also seen stuff, you know, on Twitter and whatever, and like news outlets saying things like, "Well, Florentino Perez hasn't, you know, come out and." spoken out against the the shit essentially that Julian Lopetegui has been getting from people and because he hasn't come out and defended him publicly 
therefore that means that he will be sacked in the near future. Like, but even if there's a flip about, side to that, though, there is a flip side. To yeah. That. If you think about when Benitez in the same scenario, he came out. He's like, yeah, he gave him the the voter conference, which is also known as the kiss of death in this scenario. If you get that from Perez, you know you're essentially done. You're not getting backed in. You're not getting positive yeah. change. You're getting sent out the door at the next opportunity. I was going to say exactly the same thing. When Perez comes out and supports you, you have like a minimum of four games to turn around before he's kicking you out the door. Yeah, basically. Basically, it's exactly what that means. Do any so, of you know, us... it's probably not a bad thing that he's not been backed by him yet. Sorry, do any of us think that, like, of course, we all have our opinion that Julian Lopetegui shouldn't be sacked yet, and he should still be given the opportunity. But Classico is coming up. It's a very big game, of course. Do any of us think or are leaning towards the fact that if that game goes wrong, that could be it for him? Yeah, no, 100%. I think I said it in the group chat. It's like the sacking feels inevitable by this point, just to the next big slip-up. And if, if they go into the, the, the new camp and get absolutely slaughtered on Sunday, then, yeah, you can guarantee they'd be giving him the, the cardboard box and sending him out to the parking lot. Just sacking yeah. him, like, who is there to pick from? There isn't really was, any options at all. No. It's either going to be Solari or Gucci, I think, will be the two to come in. But just on the kind of sacking point, I although I don't agree with the idea that we should be sacking him, uh, I feel like as soon as we went down 2-0 to Levante, he was gone. And at this point, yeah. I'd actually preferred, I'd have preferred that we had just sacked him then and there because now, you know, he's won this game against Vittoria. If he wins, I'm not optimistic about our chances in our Classico, but if he wins the Classico, he's now in a position where the board can't really sack him because he's looking like he's going to turn it around. But yeah. he's well aware that the board also don't didn't want him a week ago. So it, I feel like why we, if we're going to sack him, we should have sacked him last week because we're now putting ourselves in a position where we're going to have to backtrack on it. And that's just not... It's a dicey... It's just a dicey place to be in. If any of you are curious, I actually wrote an article on three reasons why Real Madrid season has been going to shit. So you should check it out. <laughs> oh. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug. Too yeah. disgusted with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> What's next? EP out soon. Oh my god. Anyways, I think we've all discussed the one thing I have nothing to contribute except for my shameless plug. The, you three have all discussed one thing that you'd like Julian to change, or if you were him, that you could change. Uh, I think we can move on to the next topic. Anthony, want to talk about uh, firepower in the final third. So since you haven't spoken in so long as it is, I'll let you lead the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, once they get on a roll, I just kind of let them do their thing. I, I don't want to keep interrupting. They're like they're. That, Chris and Hassan usually get in the flow and they go back and forth. And it's, if you interrupt it, you're pretty much just looking like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the goals, I mean, early on in the season, there were questions about Lopi's system. And then we saw how often it pays off. I mean, we had Kareem Benzema scoring on all cylinders. We had Gareth Bale doing his thing, cutting in from the right and hammering those shots. And then a couple games later, it all just kind of went to shit. And we can't say that, oh, we played a better opposition. That's why we weren't able to get the goals because some of these names are names that Madrid has been handling for 
like almost a century, I want to say, half of these names, because Real Madrid has been so dominant for that long. But when Gareth Bale and Karim Benzema stop scoring and they keep getting all these opportunities to score and all the playing time and we don't make any changes, it just really makes everyone miss that guy from Portugal that used to play for our team that I, I'm having a hard time remembering his name. <laughs> I saw him last night. <laughs> How's he looking? Does he look healthy? Is he happy yeah, without us? I think I think he's okay. I think he's okay. Faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is a good point to actually go into. I think most of us can agree is why we won't, don't want Lopetegui sacked is because Madrid's main issue at the moment is personnel in the sense that we're creating a lot of chances, but no one's there to score them. And it's kind of like that typical Spanish problem of we dominate in shots, we dominate in possession, but at the end of the yeah, day, if you don't get in the back of the nine. net, you don't win the game. Yeah, find the number nine. Uh, I'm pretty certain every person, every Madrid fan has their own opinion as to why we did not sign a striker over the summer. I have my own opinions, but I think it's beside the point now. I think the clear problem in Madrid at the moment is not the manager. It's the fact that we don't have a goal-scoring number nine. Well, yeah. And uh, in our last nine games, nine league games this season, Real Madrid has scored just 13 goals. I think I read somewhere it's something like, bar yesterday's game, so before yesterday's game, uh, I think it was like over four games who registered something stupid like 140 shots or something. I don't know what it was. I could be wrong. Not shots on target, just shots. But the fact that, like, the scoring's just been so, like, it's just, like, an empty well. It's scary, to say the least. Well, just the Champions League game that we blew, uh, the early goal, we had, like, what, 23 shots in total, but only, like, eight of them were on target, and none of them ended up in being a goal? against a random Russian side, in my opinion. Like, there's got to be some answers hey, there America, for Lopez. Don't be talking about Russians like that. It might not play out well for you. Hey, <laughs> the Russians know how I feel about them. And basically have to beat out this whole part about you talking about Russia. <laughs> it's supposed to be apolitical. Thank you very much, Anthony. Just the irony... The irony that Anthony's talking shit about the Russians when he's like a pineapple on Twitter. He's going to be the easiest person out of the lot of us to track. Track me. But yeah, no, I've, got some, I've got some numbers here as well for you just to further back these points up. So up until the Levante game, we had just one goal in 119 shots. 119 shots, there's just one goal. It's a pretty damning start. No offense, but I got pretty sick of tired of scrolling through the flipping feed of Real Madrid on Twitter and Instagram and seeing Golasso, Golasso everywhere and like all the players freaking jumping around and celebrating for scoring screamers in practice, in training session. And then when it comes time to be <laughs> on the pitch, they're just like over there doing God knows what. I'm like, what the hell are you celebrating about for in your practice? Do the damn thing on the field, man. Yeah, that's all I can think of is, have you ever seen the movie Space Jam? Yes. Yes. It's like the monsters where they sure. they drink that bottle and just sucks all their skills away from the pros. It's, that's literally what's happened. I was so pissed. I'm just like looking at it. Everyone's having a jolly old good time, and like I'm over here doing my head in, like trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this team. Yeah, and I went, I I seen that too. Like Sergio Ramos banging in four free kicks in a row from the top corner, and then he steps up to take one and <laughs> sends it, it to Rosehead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
who it was. It was him and was it Asensio? No, Ceballos, Danny Ceballos. They're over there doing like a, a little competition amongst one another. Like, first of yeah. all, one of you is a midfielder and the other is a defender. Only one of you should be taking that shot. I'm pretty Shout sure out. the guy whose name is Sergio Ramos. Shout out to Benzema fans because they've been watching that sort of thing. He's like the main culprit. Like every training video I see is Benzema's oh, God, an absolute banger in training. So like <laughs> last two years, Benzema fans have been watching it thinking he's going to do it this time. And then he just he doesn't. Saying that, it was funny how we were all like trashing Benzema on the group chat. And then all of a sudden he goes and scores the first goal against uh, Victoria Pleasant the other day. Literally, I'm pretty sure it was me and Sunil who said we like, well, watch Benzema score tonight first. He'll open the scoring, and then literally, lo and behold, it's exactly what happened. Well, I've never heard you say anything positive about Benzema like that. Because there's nothing. And we have it on record. <laughs> he Bro, there's nothing positive to bloody say. At the beginning of the season, I said he'd have a 30-plus goal season. So my ass is on the line for that. Season. I'm coming to your head at the end of the season because it's not going to happen. I'm going to fly to Canada minutes. and personally bring gonna, his head back through customs. He's going to just score let, 10 against Ryo. Let me know when you're on the <laughs> airport. I live like 10 minutes away, so I'll pick you up. Okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, goals have been an issue, obviously. Uh, as you've heard from the stats you've uh, thrown out there in the last five minutes or so, uh, lots of shots, but the conversion rate has been very poor. Like, bleak, literally nothing. Uh, like you can't see it even with x-ray glasses. I don't know how many other ways I can put this to you, but it's been bad. But what is the solution to it? There's an element of luck in there as well, to be fair. I mean, we've hit the, I think we've hit the woodwork 11 times in 13 games this season or something along those lines. I want um, the solution is, but no one can say sign a new player because it's not January yet, so don't get ahead of yourself. No, I just think... You know, unless Benzema suddenly now starts scoring goal after goal, which let's be frank, probably isn't going to happen. Believe, no. um, believe. Give, give Mariano a go out. Get Vasquez on the yeah. field to start creating more chances. Alternate it round. Think of something else because obviously the way it's going now isn't worth. Even draft Bale into the middle of the pitch if you have to put him as a striker if you've really got to do it. Because whatever there is going on at the top right now isn't working. I think the other thing is it's too fluid in attack sometimes. And people are crisscrossing over each other. And there never seems to be someone in the box at times. Because they're all sort of interchanging somewhere in the, in the final third in midfield. It's just, I'm all for the fluidity. But sometimes you just got to stick to the basics and have a man in the box who's capable of putting it away. I agree with that, but I think the problem is, like you said, there just really is no man in the box. Because, like, Gareth Bale, I, at least from what I think, he always wants to be in that 20-ish yard zone where he's, like, off to one side and then he can cut in and take his shot. And, like, yeah, he does yeah. get in the box and he scores headers, but more often than not, that's not really his playing style. And Kareem Benzema, apart from yesterday's header, which was pretty freaking neat, I believe is assisted by Lucas Vasquez as well. Like, he doesn't have that aerial dominance. So, it's just like, it's frustrating to see the ball just get pinged around the opponent's box, like, time after time. It's like, nobody's willing to take a shot. Well, honestly, all you can really say right now, since it's not the transfer window, is the typical shooting slump, where it's you got to shoot your way out of it until you actually start seeing the goals. That's all an optimistic fan can really say until January hits. I think that's pretty much what we've been doing, though. We're just shooting and shooting and shooting. It's, 
But Not the shots don't say that, do they? I mean, what didn't we just say we had like 116 shots or something like that in the last five games or something crazy like that? Yeah, 103. Yeah, it's just, it's nuts, and that's like a, a conversion rate of 0.8. Yeah, but 103 shots is not a lot. I think it's I quite mean, high up. With a team, I, I mean, I, yeah, but with a team that's in the gold drought, we're suffering currently. It's not oh, a yeah. huge. I'd like to see it go up a bit, but what I'd say is, and kind of building on the set piece part, is kind of to start maximizing our goal scoring chances in the sense that when we get corners and set pieces and that we need to start improving them, making ourselves putting ourselves in a position where we're going to score from them rather than just Yeah, there's definitely that aspect like we do. Of it. But I think there's the it's not the fact we're not creating enough chances. I think it's where the chances are being created. It's like they never seem to be in the box like at all. They all seem to be like you know on on the edge of the D or on the left hand side or the right hand side. It's never like dead in the like in the penalty area. Yeah, and this is kind of why a lot. This is why I say, really, really, if there's. Oh, I think it's this scoring from set pieces is definitely a way out of this. Hundred percent. Yeah. And what was going to say? Yeah, um, this with the other thing. We are the most foul team per ninety in La Liga at the moment. So <laughs> it's not like we're gonna we're being starved of set pieces either. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's actually an interesting stat. And it's not like, it's not even like uh, the average, I've looked over the last three seasons, the average is 17, which is currently what we're averaging this season after nine games. Well, damn. Ain't that something. This is just depressing now. It's just really upsetting to talk about. <laughs> Stop it, you're going to make Anthony cry. Stop I'm it. sitting there just like thinking, God, why did I pick this team? Oh, I'll never think that. Has any, did anyone forget me? Has everyone forgotten what happened like a couple of months ago? Yeah, it's not. It's just, take me back. Take me back, God damn it. <laughs> take me back three years ago. Take me back on that incredible run again. Um, Don't need to go three years ago, just like six months ago. <laughs> Five months ago, yeah. Honestly, just add those Ronaldo. two players back. Yeah, add those two players back. Add Ronaldo and give us a dime back and we're, we're cool, yeah. Cut his loan spell short. Recall him. Okay, let's let's uh, try and get away from this pessimism because I think <laughs> some of you are going to be quickly crying. Um, and Christopher, sorry, what was your point of the podcast? Set pieces. I'm not letting it go. I definitely think we should be doing better from them. I know we're we're beginning to improve, but I'd like to see us improve much quicker. Don't worry, this goes back. Isco is back. I like how you say Isco. Not... Am I saying it wrong? Am Isco. I saying it with an... All right, well, well I'm not going to say it. I think that's how the British people say it, isn't it? Hassan, how do you say it? Isco. Get the fuck. You really... Don't change for <laughs> us. Don't change, Anthony. You, you add the flavor to the podcast. No, nah, say it how you properly say it. We're going to need a Spaniard on here to uh, put us right. He's just going to hate us. He's going to be mad that we're butchering every <laughs> single word. Honestly, he's going to be like, you silly of North Americans and United Kingdom people. Um, United Kingdom people, Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call you British. I don't know what the right term is, okay? There's a lot of feud going on between England and Ireland, and I don't want to piss off the Irish people. 
because I love them. They're absolutely very nice people. So I just I don't want to cause a rift in the podcast. Like I said, apolitical boys, apolitical. Anyways, God, I thought something else as well. Get Federico Valverde some more minutes, please. Flipping hell, did you guys see that play? Oh, baby, that was sweet. That yeah. was very good. apple pie. Honestly, I was so, wow. I'll just shut up. That was amazing. Kids well, can I, can I throw another name out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go sure. for it. What, what's going on with Vinicius Jr.? We see him uh, just absolutely killing it for Madrid B. You saw yeah, that free kick, was, right? Yeah, yeah, Paso. Did you guys hear he's not eligible for the Classico? Yeah, he got yeah, a red card. Red card yeah, because he, he got a red card. card. Well, honestly, the softest second yellow I've ever seen for diving also, which was just, I don't know, just to give a red card watched, off of a dive is ridiculous to me. You I watched the game. <laughs> I watched that game, and it he been, he's been he was being fouled the entire match, and it, the referee was just booking the Celta Vigo B players and then another player would foul him and then he'd get booked and they were just rotationally fouling him constantly and then he, he died he finally, that's, that's the term that's he the term get they, were, get they, they were taking turns <laughs> they were basically taking turns to take out just to bring him down and then he eventually just got sick of it and complained to the referee that he was being soft and the referee sent him off for it Absolutely. Then it was how he like brushed the badge as he took it off. That just it threw me back to when Ronaldo got that red against Cordoba and robbed of the uh, the what club or cop badge. Yeah, um, I don't think he's gonna be. He's not gonna be liked in Vigo anyway. So I don't. The Celta Vigo, the fans there really didn't like him at all, especially after he scored that free kick and he uh, he flashed the jersey towards them, almost kind of like respect me. It was a brilliant moment. Damn. I like that attitude. I was going to say something. I forgot. Oh, yeah. There's somebody who listens to this podcast, and he'll know who he is. But what do you guys think of that whole Zlatan Ibrahimovic move? Because I don't know if I said it here, but I know I said it to him. (laughs) But I did say Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Real Madrid would actually be a pretty neat idea. I'll take that. It could happen for January. 100% I'll take that. that all day. Yeah, 100%. Finally, guys, I'm learning. I'm good. The stuff I'm bring saying. Bring back Adebayor. Oh, my. Jesus. You might as well freaking bring back Gravison if you want to do that. Yeah, bring back well, what's Adebayor. What's Huntelar doing? He's is like he uh, perfect. He I don't have a clue where he is, but we could get him. Why don't we just... no, Huntelar was actually good. Wait, who is that guy? This is what I was saying. Adebayor has an underrated legacy at Real Madrid. Hassan, who, did, who liked your birthday tweet? Oh, uh. Michael Fogado, the man. Should get him back too. Oh yeah, yeah we should. You can yeah, to tell him. Tell him to put some boots on. Well. <laughs> to lace them up. Uh, last point, and then we'll close out this podcast. So as soon as Cristiano Ronaldo left the Juventus way back in, I don't know. I'm saying way back, only a few months ago. Anyway, when he left in the summer. Uh, mm, Marcelo made a post on Instagram, and he said in Portuguese, loose translation, see you soon, my friend. And everyone was like, oh, damn, oh, snap, shit's going down. He's about to go to Juventus. Obviously, it didn't happen. He's still here. But rumors have picked up again that Marcelo might go. But I'll let you guys spill the tea because Marcelo said no. 
What do you guys think of that? He's going nowhere. It's just it's not happening. End of story. Shut yeah, the book. I don't even it. think it's a good story, <laughs> honestly. That's it. It's fine. Yeah, end, end of segment. <laughs> yeah, the whole Marcelo thing. He's come out said multiple times. I'm a Madridista through and through. Like I'm one of the biggest Madrid fans. I grew up being a Madrid fan. If you could ever picture a fan playing on the field, that's what I'm experiencing now. Like how he describes his career is as a dream to him. So I don't know why he would just leave the club that he's loved, that he's been at for so long. It doesn't really add up to me. But hey, uh, money talks. The dude is genuinely on the verge of tears every time he scores a goal for Madrid. And you ever notice that? He looks like he's going to cry. <laughs> well, every time he scores, also, he flashes the badge and he like holds it up like it's almost sewed onto his chest. Yeah, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's going anywhere. Tattoo over his heart of the Real Madrid crest. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he probably, he probably will do it when he retires. I wouldn't be I'm sure he has it tattooed somewhere on his chest. I feel like he's going to be asked to be buried inside the Bernabeu. Oh, I'd be down for that. We've had this conversation already, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, let's not have this conversation again. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like he's going to be one of those people like CS who just, like, when he knows his time's up, he'll just want to play. Like, he'll want to continue playing, but he'll never want to have to face Real Madrid again. He's just, like, that kind of guy. Yeah, well, no, he's. He, I don't think he. I think he'd go back to Brazil, or he didn't even play. He did play at Brazil. I think he'd go back there if that's what he was going to do. But I don't. I can't see him leaving. He's one of the beauty of it is, is I think he'd take anything that the club give him if it meant staying in Madrid. Oh yeah, for sure. Like the players that have left so far, kind of in their thirties, and let's be honest, we shaft players when they enter their thirties, no matter who they are. Shaft is a. Uh, yeah, um, they w- they had ambition to play more. They didn't think their career was over. Kind of, they didn't want to change the role. Basically, um, okay. I don't think Marcelo's that type of player. Modric has said that he's not that type of player either. He'd the thing he'd is, take I actually think Modric is going to is going to go next season. I genuinely think Modric is going to go next season. As much well, as I hate well, to I, say I, it, I, I believe it. So I, was I mean. I say that from like one of the podcasts I've heard, but supposedly he said in the past that he wouldn't mind taking on like a, a mentor or role towards the end of his career. Well, I hope he does because I'd rather he didn't go, but I can't see him going. I feel like we're going to see a lot of our players transition into like managerial roles. Like obviously start off small, but like just work. Well, that's work. what we're doing right now. Raul yeah, is charging under 15s. In like our players that are currently playing as well, like I know Raul and all those guys are doing stuff. Yeah, Ramos will definitely do it. I can see him doing it. It depends on like imagine Ramos being a manager. Oh my god, he'd be managing from the freaking box every game because his ass (laughs) would be like over there just like destroying referees. He's gonna be like, he's still gonna kick your ass. I feel like it's a whole Diego Simeone effect, also kind of like with Ramos. They both have that same mentality. Like that sweat yeah, kind of thing. I see. Yeah. I feel that, like, like intimidation factor. Yeah, just like that all black suit every time. Like it's always a funeral. Yeah, dress for a funeral. Pray <laughs> for that team's discipline record. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to you sac- see him, you take his eggs. <laughs> yeah, I was about to That's... say, rational, we don't know that word. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, I man. think the last five minutes of this podcast was just a whole bunch of banter, which we, of course, love. But. 
I think we uh, people in the United Kingdom would like to go to sleep. That was now. a terrible British accent. Don't do that. Oh my god! <laughs> in time, and you're like Mushak. When are you going to do the British accent? And then I do it, and then you're like, that's terrible. <laughs> I thought you'd try that bad. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think it's that bad. Thank you, Christopher. At least the Irishman agrees with me. This is why I rate people in Ireland. They're just they're just so genuine. My British Racist. accent. My my accent probably sounds like garbage, but Christopher is such a gent and he won't say it. Class. Class. Yeah, no, that's because the English are a bit more brutal than the Irish in that regard. <laughs> just say what they think. Yeah, that's true. You guys are savages. Anyway, I'm gonna be a savage and just end this podcast right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. We all appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, we can get some feedback from you on Twitter, and we might even try squeezing in another one before the Classico, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Leave us your comments and whatever you think on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about, or if you have any questions, we'll take them up and we'll answer them in the next podcast. Anyway, we hope you all enjoyed the Classico. Oh, quickly, predictions. Hassan, Christopher, Anthony, go. What's your score prediction I, for Classico? I don't know why. I've got a feeling it's going to be a really drab draw. Okay. So, yeah, that's mine. Uh, 3-1 Madrid. Score. Anyone going to score, Hassan? 3-1 Madrid. Oh, yeah, 3-1 Madrid. Okay, mm, okay so Christopher, you are 3-1 Madrid, and Hassan says a draw at what scoreline? 1-1. 1-1. Okay, I don't know. I just hope we win. That's all that matters to me. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoy the Classico. Hope you have a great rest of your day or whatever it is you're doing. And as always, hello Madrid.